Morning, everyone. Hey, thank the band. I, 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 they are what people don't realize, and I don't. I don't know if this is this is like you, but um, all of these people give of their time freely. They don't get paid to do this. They are talented by God, equipped by God, and they don't just do this. They get up. They go practice during the week. They get up early on Sunday morning to come set up. And I don't know about you, but it is an amazingly important part of our service because in that, in those moments, like just in sitting in this front row where God comes and meets you in words that you could not on your own articulate words that you're singing out that you're like, man, it, it like something deep down inside of you is connected with that you, that you wouldn't even known how to put words to, but somehow God uses that song to bring that out of you. And to connect with you. And so it's a, it's a huge thing. So I would, I would encourage you, if you're not, you know, there's a lot of guys in the room. They're like, I don't, I hate the music or, you know, don't like singing or whatever. But at the end of the day, it is powerful. Press into the words. It's powerful. To this, uh, this next several weeks, we're in a series called Private Conversations. And in that, um, last week, Scott started out with, yeah, there's two Scots. The other Scott is on vacation in Kentucky right now. Saw pictures of him on the beach, on a boat, and all sunning himself and everything. And uh, so they seem to be having fun. Um, but he started out last week talking about a private conversation about a man who had leprosy. Um, and this week, we're, it's a private conversation about a, a rich man. And uh, the reason we're talking about we're, what we're going to do is we're going to take the private conversation that Jesus had with this one rich man, and we're going to take it and read it through Scripture, and we're going to break it down. And, and apply it. The reason we're going to do that is because it wasn't just a private conversation for that rich man. The reality is that conversation was for you and I also. That's why God saw fit to put that in the Bible. Because one of the best things you can do in studying scripture and reading the Bible is find yourself in that story. Go, okay, why, why did God put this in there? And how does it apply to me? And then, and because that, that's where you're going to find some, some big things. And, and right out of the gate, let's just, um, let's find some common ground on this subject. Because I know, I know this is like a hated topic. And this isn't about money. It's not about giving money to the church and stuff like that. But right out of the gate, let's just find common ground on this subject. It's, we are all rich. Every one of us in this room are rich. Now, you may press back against that, and that's part of the reason that this story, as we're going to read it, you're going to be like, well, it doesn't apply to me because I'm not rich. Well, actually, we're all rich. We just sat there and watched video after video, uh, I mean, uh, picture after picture on that video from Jamaica. And I don't know about you, but seeing those images of those people in what they call the infirmary, I've been there multiple times seeing the pictures of those people in that infirmary that they used to call the poorhouse, no one leaving there doesn't feel rich. Rich beyond your wildest dreams. And you know, the, the interesting thing is, I don't know, I, I'm a thinking person, so I'm always thinking about things like, what's the difference between me and that person laying in that bed in their own urine? What's the difference? How did I get this card living in America? How, how did that happen? 
What's the difference? Is it because I'm special? Is it because I did something amazing in my life or my, my parents were so, you know, amazing that that's why I drew this card to live in suburban Blue Springs and, you know, all this stuff? You can't see those images and not go, oh, man, I'm rich. How do you know if you're rich? Do you have running water in your house? Do you have a toilet that you sit on to take care of your business? Or a toilet like my wife who spent most of the night throwing up in it, which was not a good, ex- good experience for any of us. And just as a side note, I think God pr- had a private conversation for me in that moment going, you have no idea what it's like to take care of all these kids as mom. Because I am so stressed because I had to get them all ready. And like pulling my hair out, frantic, weird. I mean, my 17-year-old boy comes and he takes his soccer uniform from last night, knowing mom's sick as a dog, and he like throws it on the washing machine, like hanging over, and he's got a game this morning. And somehow he thinks mom is going to muster it up to come wash that doggone uniform. And so I'm sitting here going, oh man, we've got some changes to make at home, because I cannot, so guess who, who did it? I did it. They were all sleeping, so I'm throwing the laundry in there. Anyway, craziness. But in all that, you go, I have running water. I have washing machine. I have a refrigerator. If you have a refrigerator at home, you know what? A refrigerator is a rich man's possession in Jamaica. They don't have one. It's rare. So they don't have a place to store food. They can't go buy a bunch of chicken. Like I go to Costco and I've got, not only do I have one refrigerator, I have two refrigerators and a freezer and an extra freezer that my brother-in-law still hasn't gotten out of my garage yet. I don't know. But anyway, um, but so when you look at stuff like that, you're going, oh man, I, I've got Food for, I mean, we could eat for a month probably with the food I have stored up. We are rich. There's no escaping it. The poorest person in this room is rich. You have cars, you have heating and air conditioning at your home. You have the ability, crazy as it is, You have the ability to sit there and go to a restaurant and have somebody prepare your food for you and walk it out and serve it to you and then clean it all up after you're done. In every place around the world, that is a rich man's convenience. That is a luxury to have servants waiting on you. For us, it's called eating out. We are rich. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Hunger Games, but Hunger Games kids, Katniss, you know, we all identify with Katniss, go Katniss, go whatever that, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hunger Games. I still don't like that movie. It's weird. Bunch of kids killing kids. There's something wrong with that stupid movie. But in all of that, the thing that drew me in to this is I'm, I'm sitting here drawn to Katniss and, and the conditions that her, her family lives in. I mean, I'm, I'm drawn to this. And then they, you know, they have to go to the city and, and, as, and they have to, that's this whole thing and I'm not going to get into all that. But they go to the city and they ride in on this tram 
And you see all these women with fake fingernails and colored hair and makeup galore and, and all the guys that have all the, you know, they're, you know, mostly just a bunch of overdone people. And everything you see, it's like crazy. It's like rich everywhere. And it's overwhelming. It's kind of like going to Las Vegas. Have you ever been to Las Vegas? I mean, when you drive into Las Vegas, it, it blows your mind to look and see all the lights and all the, they recreated the Eiffel Tower in the middle of the desert. I mean, it is like crazy to watch. And, and you sit here and you go, my mind can't even comprehend it. Well, that's what happens in Hunger Games. I sit there and I'm, I, I'm so drawn in and connected to Katniss. And then I look at the city and all of that. And I'm like, oh, that's gross. That's excessive. That's what we are living in. We live in that. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying we are blessed. We are rich. We all relate to this private conversation that Jesus has today. Now, in all that, a friend of ours, Neil McClendon. Neil McClendon, uh, just as a side note on that, Neil McClendon is a pastor in, in Texas who has done a lot of our retreats over the years. We all know and love Neil. He's crazy. He's amazing as a teacher. Um, Neil has a, a uh, podcast that I think everybody in the room should listen to. It's on marriage. So Grand Parkway Baptist Church in Texas, if you, I hope this isn't the only place you go to get fed. I hope that throughout the week you find yourself longing or hungering for more. But Neil has this podcast, and I really didn't want to listen to it because it's about marriage, and I think I know everything about marriage. So I was like, I don't need that, you know? But the reality is, this, it's like five parts, and it is so good. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. It is so good about so many different pieces of what God wants in our life. And uh, so if, if, you're, if you're hungering for something else, I, I encourage you, listen. Grand Parkway Baptist Church, Neil McClendon. Look it up. It's, the, uh, it's all about the brokenness of marriage. Yeah, the broken together is what it's called. And it's great. But in that, in one of the messages, he talks about how he teaches his kids about money. And he said, he, he's taught his kids about money from, and we've got our kids in the service today for it's an intergenerational day. And so we bring all the K through fifth graders in and they get to be a part and they get to watch us as the adults worshiping God. They get to watch us listen and pray and, and be intent about what God has for us. Um, but in that he talks about with his kids that he, he talks about money as a tool. It's like a hammer. And he said, it's just a tool. It's a tool to build things. It's a tool that you use when you need it, but you don't have to use it every day. It's just a tool. And I've got, I've got several tools. I got a hammer and I got this like dog bone wrench that like is a socket. And and then I've got this screwdriver and stuff. And, and the reality is if you really look at money and, and so let's, let's reshape how we look at this. Money is a tool. It's a tool to build things. So kids, that's what you need to grow up learning is that money is a tool to build things. And, and so this isn't my hammer. This hammer belonged to the guy that lived in my house before I lived there. It's not even my hammer. 
But when I needed a hammer to break up this old island in our house, I, I, I went to the drawer and found it, and I used his tool to break up that ca- cabinet. In all that, I think that this is partly how God wants us to look at all of this, is that this, God gives us tools. And it's not just money, it's your abilities to get up and sing and play in the band. It's your ability to go and minister to people and go sit with them when they're in your hospital and, and give them value. And he gives you money also, and it's a tool. It's a tool to build things. And the interesting thing is, if Mike Getling said, hey, can I borrow your hammer? I'd be like, no problem. Take my hammer, no problem. Wouldn't bother me a bit. Go ahead, go build something. You know, if, if Jason asked for my screwdriver, I'd say, no problem, no problem. Go ahead. But if, if this dog bone, like a dog, was the most precious thing to me, and somebody came and said, hey, if Pat Hicks came and said, hey, can I, can I borrow your dog bone? I'm not sure that you're going to give it back to me. Or I'm not sure that I should give it to you because I don't want it to get messed up. Isn't it weird that we would sit here and take a tool and all of a sudden get possessive about it when it's not even our tool? Let me say that again. Isn't it weird that this tool that God gave us, that we would get possessive about it and it's not our tool? And what would Pat think if I said, nah, you know, I'm not sure that you deserve to use my tool that isn't really mine. I think Pat would probably go, ha, you guys kind of ate up about that tool. I don't know, I don't know, that's a little weird. You're a little connected to that tool. Money is a tool that God gave us to go build things. It's nothing else. It's a tool. We need to live that way. We need to live like it's a tool. And I know that a lot of us in the room, and I'll be one of them, Okay, I'm just going to admit right out of the gate, I'm not preaching at anyone here. I can tell you that for most of my life, this has been a struggle. Okay, this has been a struggle. You know why? Because for most of my life, as a young boy, I dreamed of all the fancy cars I was going to drive. I dreamed of all the rich that I was going to acquire. I dreamed about the houses I was going to have here and there and how successful I was going to be. I dreamed about all those things. And so then when I get out, get out in the work world, and I mean, all my life, my dad brought me up with this insane work ethic. So I really believed that I was smart enough that I was going to just take the world by storm and I would outwork everybody. And I, would, I, would, I was going to be rich. Because after all, I was going to work harder than everybody else. So I would deserve to be rich. So then what happens is my, you know, I'm in my mid-20s and all of a sudden God's like, you know what, I kind of had enough of your preoccupation. And he systematically destroyed my life. Nope. Had enough. 
it's got a hold on you. He destroyed my life. He just, my business went belly up. I moved in with my parents in my 30s. And uh, it was a rough time. I'm reminded of that. Every year I get my Social Security statement that says I made $4,000 this year and I made $8,000 that next year trying to pull out my old business. I'm reminded of how God had to, the, the, the great lengths that God had to go to help me remember and know that it's just a tool and it's his anyway. So in all that, this animosity that we have that, that many of you probably have in the room, it's like, Every, whenever we talk about money, it's like you want to tune it out. You want to plug your ears and go, no, 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 Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. Why? You don't want to hear it. Because it's like, it's like me. I'm, I, I, I have people come up to me all the time and they tell me all these sad stories. Why all these sad stories end up with if I finally had the money? You know, why is it that it seems like everybody's always trying to get money? You can't go to... Costco without them asking for a donation to this, or Casey's without them asking for a donation for this, or driving down the street without somebody holding a sign saying, please, please, will not work for food. Just give me money. It's, uh, you get overwhelmed with it, and that's why we get numb to it, and we get animosity towards it, and we don't want to talk about it. But the reality is we need to talk about it. Because money can be a monster for all of us. Because it is something that can grab hold of us. Turn your Bibles to Luke 18. That's where we're going to spend a good part of our time today. Luke 18. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up on the screen. Okay, again, this is a conversation that Jesus had with a man. And, uh, and we're, going to, we're going to take some things out of this conversation. It says... Starting in verse 18, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony and honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home, wife, brothers, sisters, parents, children, for the sake of the kingdom will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come, eternal life. Notice first off in this passage, Jesus dispels the myth that a lot of us have, that we've put our faith in and believe in. There's a myth that, you know, people have that, oh, I, I'm going to get to heaven because I'm a good person. Jesus dispelled that right out of the gate. There is no good person except for God alone. 
no good person except for God alone. We can't rely on ourselves. We have to depend on God. It's our only hope. There's no, we, no, no matter what we do, this, this rich young ruler said he had kept all of the commandments. How many of us have kept all those that we just said uh, since, birth, since I was a boy? Not me. So I, I'm not good. I'm not good. But I know God. I'm a follower of Christ. And because of that, I know where eternity is for me. So in that, again, there's a myth that if I'm a good person, if I do right things, that naturally I'm, I'm going to be in heaven. It's a myth. It's not true. The rich young ruler had done all these right things, so much so that later on in the, in the passage, um, in t- verse 26, those who heard asked, who then can be saved? They looked at him and they go, he has everything. He's rich. He's done everything right. What in the world? Who else can be saved then? He'd done everything right, but he wasn't following God. And so in this, in this whole experience, what happens is Jesus exposes the rich, rich young ruler's thought process. He exposes it by going up to him and he gets right to the heart of the issue. And, I, and I'm telling you, one of the things about all of us is that we, a lot of us are trapped in this th- thinking, thought process of, you know, if I'm only, if I would only do my 20-20 every day, then God would give me what I want. If I would have only done, oh man, if, if I would have done my Bible study, if I would have prayed more, God would give me what I want. If I would have been, oh, if I would have done, if I would have only not made that mistake, God was going to give me what I want. You know, God's not answering my prayers because, you know, I, I haven't been able to jump through the magic hoops. I, I've, I've fallen short. We get sucked into this way of thinking that if only I could do this thing. And, and, and that's how a lot of us spend most of our prayer time sucking up to God, sucking up to him, trying to have trying to obligate him to give us what we want. We go, we go up to him and say, oh, Lord, you know, if you just, if you just do this, then I, I promise I'm going to use it for good purposes. I'm going to, I'm going to blah, 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 blah. Well, in the rich young ruler's case, Jesus exposed the thing that had a hold on him. He says, after the, in verse 22, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will, know, you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Which shows he wasn't following before. He was doing his own thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. How? Why, why, why did Jesus ask him to do that? It's because Jesus knew that the money had a hold on him. Jesus knew that that was the one thing in the way. He was good in all aspects of life, but the money had a hold on him and he exposed it for what it was. And the truth of it was the man walked away from Jesus in eternal life for the money. So he exposed it. He had a, it had a hold on him. 
It had a hold on him. It was in the way. Now, I know what you're thinking, and, I, and I've, I've asked some people, you know, if Jesus came up to you and asked you to go sell, give all your possessions away, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow, would you do it? A lot of people say yes. People that, well, if Jesus asked me to do it, I'd sure do it. Yeah, right. Well, this this figure of Jesus have to be standing in front of you to to get your attention? Because the reality is in these private conversations that we're talking about, God's having a private conversation with you right now. There's likely something that is going off in your head that God's saying, that has a hold on you. It's in the way. And you're doing everything in your power to avoid listening. Because if I don't hear it, then I don't have to do anything about it. If I don't hear it, I don't... The reality is, Jesus spoke and exposed the thing that had a hold on him. How amazing and fantastic is that? To know that Jesus could look at this man and know exactly what the one thing standing in the way was. The reality is, Jesus can look at every single one of us in this room and say the same thing. Pat Hicks, this is the one thing you lack. Steve, it's the one thing you lack. Sean, it's the one thing you lack. He can call it for what it is. He sees the whole picture. He sees all of it. So all these times that we're praying and obligate, trying to obligate God to give us what we want, and we're begging and pleading God, please, God, give me what I need. Oh, God, I need this, I need this. You know what? What happens if, if, if just think about having the ability to stand back when your kids or somebody you love or care about, when they're coming to you begging you for something and you can see the whole picture. You can see, if I give this to them, you can see what the outcome is going to be. You can see what's going to happen to it. You can see what's going to happen to your kid. What happens if you have that ability? Well, then what you'd see is you'd go, oh, if I, if I give this kid what he's asking for, that he's begging and pleading is so passionate about, it's going to lead him down this path and ultimately lead him to destruction. Then you're going to go, oh, I'm not giving it to him. And so you say no to your kid. And then your kid's all upset and you're like, oh, I can't believe you're so mean. You're so terrible. I can't believe you wouldn't do it. And you as the parent all along with this amazing power goes, hey, you can be mad at me, but trust me, that's going to take you down a bad path. That's going to have a hold on you that you're not going to break free of. That's what we have to get to with God is that he sees the whole picture. And so there's a lot of things in your life that you may be begging for and asking for and praying for. And God says, it's not the best thing for you. That's why I'm not giving it to you. It's going to have a hold on you. That's why I'm not giving it to you. None of us would sit here and let our kids dabble in drugs just because they make you feel good or because they're fun. 
we'd all be like, no, 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 don't do it. Because if you go down that road, it might get a hold of you. And we all know what happens when it gets a hold of you. It's so hard to break free of it. And that's what money does to you. Money, like a drug, it grabs hold of you and it doesn't let go. All we do is pursue it and pursue it more and more and more. And God says, that's not good for you. And it's my tool anyway. In the Bible, Proverbs 30, it's going to be on the screen. Proverbs 30. Verses 7 through 9. It says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Who in the world would pray that? Anybody? Anybody? Anybody's praying, oh, God, don't, whatever you do, God, don't give me too much. Don't give me too much money. Don't give me more than I need. Don't, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't do that. I, I don't think, I don't think very many of us would pray that. I think it'd be like, come on, Lord, let it flow. Let's go. I, I, I'll be so good. I'm going to do all these great things for all these people. Come on, God, let it go. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Only give me my daily bread. Why? Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. Just give me what I need. God, don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. Just give me what I need. Now, again, we have this internal pushback on some of this because we're like, no, I don't really like only what I need because that means I'm not in control. And if I'm, if I only have what I need, that means I'm dependent. Exactly. That's what God wants. He wants you dependent on him. That's what he wants. He doesn't want anything to have a hold on you. That's why the story of the rich man, when it says, you, want, you lack one thing. And Jesus looked right at him and said, how hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? And he still walked away. After he had done all the right things, after he had kept all the commands, he had done everything that he was supposed to do by the law, by what the Bible says. He was a good little Sunday school boy. But the money got a hold of him. The money got a hold of him. Lucifer, before Lucifer is now, we call him Satan. Lucifer up in heaven, Lucifer was in the garden of Eden before we were ever there. And the Bible says, Lucifer, God gave him amazing beauty, amazing power, most powerful, beautiful of all. It got a hold of him. He thought he could be God. And so then in the Bible, he starts saying, I'm going to do these things. I will be like the Most High. I will be like God. It grabbed hold of him. So now for all of us in the room that are rich, because we're all rich, the deal for us is 
you can't let it get a hold of you. And how do you know if it's a hold of you? Would you turn, your, would you turn and walk away? If God, it's, it, you know, if you'd saved up all your life and God said, hey, I got this thing I want you to do and it's going to require 30% of everything you have. I need you to give it to this, this person. Would you do it? Or would you walk away? The one thing that every one of us are going to be exposed to at some point is that God will not settle for anything part-time. There's no part-time lovers. It's like the, in your notes, there's that John Legend song, that chorus, and everybody, we were going to play it. And anybody volunteer to sing the chorus? Volunteer? John Legend? All of me loves all of you. You're my end and my beginning. Come on. Anybody? Scott Hatfield was here. He'd do it. And it would be really not good. Just kidding. Um, but in, in that, this John Legend song that, that was on Billboard Awards, and I mean, everybody, my, I was saying it the other day, and my fifth grade girl starts singing this John Legend song, all of me loves all of you, you're my end and my beginning, even when I lose, I'm winning, I give you all. And you know what? There's something inside, the song just grabs you for some reason. And part of it is, I don't know for, maybe it's just women, maybe it's men. I don't know, but I don't know. I think women sit here and go, Oh my gosh, I long for that. I long to have a man that loves all of me, all my perfect imperfections, all of me, all. And the song says, I give you all of me and you give me all of you. And the reality is, that's what God says about you. And I want you, every time you hear that song from now forward, I want you to think of, that's what God thinks of me. And that's the relationship he wants with me. He wants all of you. Nothing in between. Nothing. So the rich young ruler, the money was the thing in between. So for some of us, it might be money. For some of us, it might be your kids. You know, God, if you remember, and I know we love our kids. I have eight of them. I love every one of them. But you know what? Some of us are terrified of what God may ask of our kids. We clutch and hold and, and try to protect them and do all these things. But you know what? God's like, are they in between? He tested Abraham on that. Abraham had waited a lifetime, a lifetime of heartache, a lifetime of infertility, a lifetime. And he finally gets this promised son, Isaac. And what does God say? Take him up on the mountain and sacrifice him to me. God was going, Abraham, is he in between you and me? Because I'm not having any of that. And Abraham took him up on the mountain, heartbreak and all, and was going to sacrifice him. And God said, nope, you know what? You proved to me there's nothing in the way. All of you and all of me. And that's what eternity is. All of you and all of him. 
For some of us, it may be our kids. For some of us, it may be our dreams. You may have dreams that you've dreamt all your life that you're going to find this knight in shining armor and he's going to be everything you've ever wanted. He's going to be it on a stick. I mean, everything. I mean, you dream, he's going to sing John Legend songs to you. I mean, I, it's, it's that awesome. But the reality is, for some reason, it still hasn't come. Or God's like, is that in the way? Is your desire for your dream in the way? Are you going to lay it down? Or are you going to walk away? Because I want all of you. And I won't settle for less. All of you. And that's the thing about the, for us, whatever it is for you, whatever that private conversation that God may be having with you right now, what is it that stands in the way with you? If it's money, there's some things that I think we need to take hold of. There's a passage in Luke that says, and we need to start asking the question, knowing that we're rich, knowing that every one of us are rich, need to start asking the question, what is enough? What is enough for me? What does God say? This is enough. Everything else is excess that I expect you to use for my purpose. I expect you to use that tool for my purpose. In Luke 12, verse 16 through 21, Jesus told him this parable. It said, the ground of a certain rich man. There again, same same, a certain rich man, the ground. Just think about that. As you're studying scripture, think about the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. What's enough? Are you being rich toward God? Or does it have a hold on you? Many of us have exactly that passage ambition. Want to build a bigger house, more furniture, more everything. God says that ambition is preoccupation for fools. And it's taken hold and it's in the way. Lay it down and come follow me. That's what Jesus would say. What's your response? He doesn't want anything in the way. And he doesn't want that to have a hold on you. Just like you wouldn't want your your kids, that you wouldn't want the drugs to have a hold on them. So in all this, what we learn is that God will expose that thing to you that's got a hold, and you're gonna have a choice to make. 
What are you going to do about it? How are you going to make changes? How are you going to protect yourself from that getting a hold of you? Start by asking the conversation, God, what's enough? What's enough for me? And what do you want me to do with the rest? Does God have access to all your tools? That's what he wants to know. There's nothing wrong with being rich. Nothing. As long as it doesn't have a hold on you. As long as God has access to everything. That's what matters. So I hope that as you leave this week, that that's the thing. God, what is it? What is it that's got a hold on me? And, and, and not that I want to get defensive. I don't want anything to have a hold on me. I don't. So how, how do I get free from that? That's what, we've got to, that's what we've got to do. We don't want to get entangled in those things. Don't let it get a hold on you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, the truth of your word. Thank you for having private conversations still today. Thank you that the power of your Holy Spirit speaks to us just like you were standing here. Thank you that you love us so much that you say no because it's not the best thing for us. You say no. And God, because you say no, we say, I trust you. Because I know that you see the big picture. And I trust that if you said no, it's because it was going to take me down a bad path. God, I pray that we would rest in that and that you would give us the faith that's required. Forgive us for our lack of faith. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. Help us to live in the power and the freedom of our daily bread. Help us to live in enough. Help us to live in you. God, all of you wants all of us. And that's an amazing, amazing thing. We love you and pray in your name. Amen. When you came in, you got bulletins. And in there, there's several things, several things. The Jamaica thing that, that Amy talked about earlier, the students that, um, that we sent out, we want you to keep praying for them. There's a magnet on the way out the door that you can stick on your refrigerator to remind you, okay? These, these kids are doing powerful work that God appointed and provided in advance for them. Put that on your refrigerator and pray for them. Also, serve day. Serve day is coming up June 14th. It's the thing we do every year. We usually do it in August. What we do is instead of just talking about God's love and instead of just talking about, you know, learning things about God, we go live it out. This whole church shuts. We don't meet here. We go be the church. We go, we meet here on that Sunday morning to be dispatched to projects all over the city to go be the hands and feet of Christ, to go love on people, to go provide for their need at that time, to go love on them. And we want every one of you to be here for it. Every one of you. Because you know what? I do the new member class all the time. And the number one thing that people say about this church, this church serves like none other. Let's go serve 
our community. Let's do it. Let's be who God's called us to be. The other thing is there's a 2020 journals. I referenced it earlier. These journals are back on that table. They're for sale. They're $4. We are not meeting as life groups this summer, but we're going to have the, the 2020 reading plan. We don't want you to miss out on what God's given. These cards, the 2020 bookmarks, they're your reading plan for this next series, and we'll have it for the summer also. So if you need a journal and you don't have one, they're $4 a piece or they're 3 for 10 bucks, and it, we're just trying to provide you an opportunity. You can get a notebook at Walmart if you want. It's up to you. But we want you to have a place to write down what is it that God is doing and what is it in those private conversations that he's saying to you. So there's that book. Again, be prayerful for those students and, uh, and ne- just allow God to just be all to you. Just recognize how blessed we all really are. That God would love us so much that he would say no when necessary and that he would lavish such great gifts on all of us. Thanks for coming. Have a great week.